Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Silted Ice Podcast, powered by Forever Boucher. Hello and welcome to the Tilted Ice Podcast end of season wrap up. I'm Russell Hartman and joining me in just a second is Mr. Zach Chigger. Let me get him on the line. What's up, Zach? How you doing, buddy? Good, Russ. How are you? Great, man. So we got a big show planned for today. We're going to discuss a lot of things going forward. Uh, Probably the biggest news to start off with, though, is that the Rangers are now looking for a new head coach. So, a lot of people wanted this, and it's finally happened. Elaine Vino is no longer the head coach of the New York Rangers. And there's a lot of good guys out there who sh- I think, and I know Zach thinks too, since he just wrote a really good piece on Forever Blue Shirts about this, who can replace him. So, my personal favorite to replace AV in this time of uncertainty would be Sheldon Keefe, who is currently the head coach of the Toronto Marlies. I think he's great at nurturing young talent. I think he knows how to work with young talent really well. He's nurtured a lot of the guys that are on the Leafs now playing big minutes for them. And I just think if there's a chance they could pry him away from Toronto, that he would be the ideal candidate for the job. Zach, what do you think? Who would be your top choice? Um, well, as you mentioned, the article. So I, I, I gave six potential candidates. Um, one who shouldn't be overlooked. Um, as far as the Rangers are concerned, is their uh, Wolfpack head coach, Keith McCambridge. Um, the team didn't have such a great year, but uh, if you're talking about a guy who's going to be with young kids, um, especially one who uh, has coached the kids, he would now be coaching with the Rangers. Um, you certainly want to give him a look um, simply because he's going to be able to grow uh, as a coach with guys like Leif Anderson and Philip Hedl and Neil Pionk and John Gilmore and all the guys that we expect to um, to have a real shot at making the team next year. Um, but honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of of the mindset where coach doesn't matter as much as the coaching style. So if you have, if you're in, in this league, the way it is now, and you're a speed and skill league for a speed and skilled coach, um, you're you're not necessarily going to want a guy like Daryl Sutter, who um, who when he coached the Kings last in 2015-16 or 2016-17, was playing a grinding style of game. Granted, Mm -hmm. their team, you know, won two cups and beat the Rangers, and we all know the history of of Daryl Sutter, but um, it depends on the style of coach you want. Um, and look, you, you want track record. You want a guy who's coached before, which Jeff Gordon said he's not going to look at guys who've never coached before. So, you know, goodbye, Mark Messier. Goodbye, Marty St. Louis. 
Um, but one name that I saw that actually um, kind of made me think for a little bit was Patrick Waugh, um, who last coached with the Avalanche and the fiery guy, guy who um, who can get people motivated. So I kind of want to hear what you think on Patrick Waugh because no one really talked about him for the Rangers, um, mm-hmm. but he's a guy with coaching experience, a guy who coached young kids when he was with the Avalanche. So I kind of want to hear what you think because you were the one that actually gave me a lot of the names for the article that I ended up writing. So Patrick Waugh is a very interesting case for me. The guy clearly knows what he's doing with coaching. I mean, look, he coached in juniors, very successful. He coached the Avalanche to one of their best seasons in history. But when you look at the underlying numbers with Patrick Waugh, a lot of people thought that the Avalanche, I think that was two seasons ago, were a glass cannon. Um, Basically, it could have all fallen apart very quickly. And you could kind of see that because the next year they immediately dropped to worse in the league after Patrick Waugh left. Um, Sometimes the numbers fall your way and your goaltending gets you through it. And, you know, it just kind of happens where your team is beating the analytics. But if you look underneath what was going on with that Avalanche team, they didn't have the best possession numbers. So I don't know if I would like Patrick Waugh here, although he, you know, he, his record isn't terrible. But I think there's definitely better guys. Like I said, Sheldon Keefe, I think, is an amazing coach. Um, look, he, he knows he's worked with some of the best young talent in the game. And it's clear the Rangers have some good prospects, and they're going to have even better prospects after this draft. Their prospect pool is going to get a lot bigger and better. And I think a coach that has experience working with players like that is, you know, he doesn't have the NHL upside of his competition, but he, I think he's more than earned a chance at coaching in the big leagues. Another name I love here is Marco Sturm. Marco Sturm coached the German national team at the Olympics, and he took a team that nobody thought would do anything, basically advanced to the gold medal game. Um, which was absolutely amazing because they beat Canada on the way to do it. Uh, of course, the Russians shut them down in the gold medal game, but when Russia was expected to win the entire tournament, uh, Marco Sturm would be a very interesting choice, especially because that team, that German hockey team battled. And if you have a, a coach that can get his team to follow that kind of play style, man, that could, that could, be, that could do wonders for this franchise. Another guy to not be overlooked also is the coach for the Czech Republic's national team, or I believe he's the world he's the world junior coach for the Czech national team, and that is Philippe Pizan. And he has already worked with Philip Hedl and Libor Hayek, and he coached him to a bronze medal at the tournament this year. Uh, another guy who doesn't have the NHL experience yet that some of the other coaches do, but another guy who is good at molding young talent, who seems to be coming into his own for coaching, and you know. A lot of these, the three guys I just mentioned, Pazan, Sturm, and Keith, they they haven't coached in the NHL yet, so it would be a risk. But if you look at their body of work, I think that any one of those three would be really nice candidates to fill the vacancy behind the bench, fill it with their own staff, bring in a totally new fresh voices for this rebuilding team going forward, and I think it would really work out. Uh, I like what you said about Keith McCambridge, but I think they're going to want him down there in Hartford because – He's proven to be a pretty good coach down there, and I think that 
they're going to want him nurturing the young guys because he's done a pretty good job with Anderson Heedle um, down there. So I think uh, they wouldn't want to make a big change year uh, just a year after basically hiring him down there. Uh, Daryl Sutter, like you said, I don't know if he his style would match in today's NHL. And an interesting one that you proposed in what you wrote was Dan Bilesma. Because Dan Bilesma's been pretty successful throughout his career, but I don't necessarily think that Bilesma might be the best choice here. Uh, I kind of want them to go with just fresh, a fresh face. If you know, I don't think bring another NHL guy would be the answer. I think I want a coach that'll grow with the team as this goes on. And I and I certainly get that. My thinking with Bilesma, as I wrote, was that. You know, if you're talking about a guy who's gonna be able to mold talent like he, like uh, Leah Anderson and Philip Pedel and and some of the defensive guys, even, um, you know, we saw what Dan Bilesma did with Crosby and Malkin. Now, granted, those two guys are um, immensely skilled and are future Hall of Famers, but uh, Dan Bilesma came into a Penguins team in 2008, mid-season, after they fired uh, Michelle Terrien, I believe, um, mm-hmm. and, took them to two straight, and took them to two straight finals, including uh, one Stanley Cup, and then the team became perennial cup contenders, um, basically until now, um, with Mike Sullivan. So, you know, Bosma, I, 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 I would like the Rangers to take a look at Bosma, um, there's certainly no harm in, in interviewing him. My thing with Bob is, is he's got the NHL pedigree. He's been able to work with young talent and a young team. He's got a solid goaltender in Henrik. He, let me rephrase. He would have a solid goaltender in Henrik, um, who said um, a few minutes ago that he was dealing with a knee injury all season. Um, mm-hmm. That he, he says didn't affect the way he played. But uh, Lord only knows how much he's really, uh, how much of the truth he's really telling us there. But um, he would already have a solid goaltender. He would already have um, a pretty solid top nine, depending on what they do in uh, terms of re-signing the guys that they acquired at the deadline with Nemesnikov and Spooner, um, as well as some of their restricted free agents, Kevin Hayes, Jimmy Vesey. Um, and then you know he's got he's gonna have a young defense with a bunch of guys that are not shy about getting up in the offense and and taking that those risks. So I and and Bosma started with Chris Letang as well. So you know his top three claims to fame in terms of players were all guys that he was able to harness their talents and mold into the future potential Hall of Famers that they are. So that that's my thinking on Bilesma. I I would tend to agree though that someone from the AHL um would be or internationally would be better. Um I've said this all year and I said it in the piece. Marco Sturm to me is a more skilled version of Jesper Foss uh, as a player and Jesper Foss is the guy you want to model your team after hard work. I like that comparison. I like that comparison a lot. Why? Thank you, sir. Uh, Never, never gives up. Always willing to go to the dirty areas, sticks up for his teammates. But Marco Sturm just 
you know, was able to put the puck in the net a lot more. So if you can build a, a team around that kind of philosophy where you have a guy like Chris Kreider who's been given the leeway who's been given the leeway to um, you know, take a couple shifts gliding, um and, you know, a guy like a guy like um oh why am I blanking out right now? A guy like even Booch for for example, and I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, but even a guy like Booch, um, who would sometimes, you know, hang out on the outside of a of a scrum in the corner. You know, if you get a if you get guys to really buy into that philosophy, you'll be in a much better place regardless of of rec of win loss record because you're gonna have a team that's always hard working. And you can never mm-hmm. fault a team that's hard working that, that loses. You make a bonehead mistake, fine. But if the team is constantly moving their legs, constantly grinding and looking for those looking for um looking to make a play from hard work as opposed to just from pure skill, um you'll you'll be in a much better place as an organization. Yeah. So clearly they have a lot of good options out there to uh replace Elaine Vino. We'll see where they go with interviews. We'll see um when this new coach is announced, when they have a new head coach and when they can start, you know, the process with him. And I believe that we will hopefully have a new head coach by the time the NHL draft is upon us in June. Um, I think they'll want the new coach in by then so they can get his opinion on who they should draft. I think they'll get the head coach in then also because they basically they want his say on what kind of players they want to go after on July 1, if any, in free agency. They'll want to know uh, if he wants to retain any of the RFAs. I think that it's probably one of the better things they should do is get their coach signed and ready to go by the NHL draft. One thing I will say, though, Russ, is don't hold your breath on it because uh, Jeff Gordon said yesterday in the uh, press conference um, that there was no timeline for head coach. So while I agree with you um, that they should have one in place within the next, uh, whatever it is, eight weeks or so before the draft, ten weeks, um, there's certainly – a good reason for it, just don't get your hopes up or don't be disappointed. I should say if they don't, because the Rangers want to really make sure that they get the right guy. Um, well, let, let me put it this way. We, we know what the Rangers plan is for the most part in free agency. They're going to try and build around. They have of young talented forwards um, and a young up and coming defense led by Kevin Chanter um, as the, I mean, Mark Stahl's here. Brendan Smith is is technically still here. We'll see what they do with him in the offseason. But uh, Kevin Shanker is going to be the main guy on defense with Brady Shea. So that's a lot of youth and a lot of offensive minds. Uh, so they're going to try and build around that. Um, and we know that it's going to be a team that's going to be in the midst of a rebuild. So they're going to want a coach that's going to get the team – working hard in the right areas, getting um, and getting a coach that's going to instill a system that allows his, that allows the players to excel at their highest level. One, one other thing that I found interesting, uh, speaking of Jeff Gordon yesterday, 
he said he was disappointed with a few of the players. He didn't mention anyone by name. He didn't, you know, call anyone out. But, you know, when you're talking about uh, a disappointing season as on the whole, uh, which it certainly was, and then to have your general manager say, you know, player X could have been better, player Y didn't do everything that we wanted him to, you know, missing a goal a goal mark for yourself is one thing, but when the team is quote unquote calling players out, it, yeah. it signifies that they re- that they really need uh, not only a new voice in the room because it meant that things were kind of pushed under the rug and allowed to happen, but also that they that they needed that they need to start getting that winning culture and get the quote unquote, you know, depressing feeling out of the locker room. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very important that they pick the right guy. I mean, especially on this path that they're on now. It's not just it's not about the vets. It's about having the young kids be, being integrated into this lineup and instilling this kind of new culture going forward here. And something I want to point out before I move on to our next topic is at the uh, – they had their locker cleanouts today uh, before they left for the summer. And Henrik Lundqvist, Chris Kreider, everyone seemed to be on the right page here, saying the right things, how, you know, we'll be back. We're going to be on this path, but it's going to turn out well. Chris Kreider saying, you got to love what's going on here. Um, You got to have hope for the future. And it seems that the players that are left are really buying into this whole rebuild. I feel like even the players kind of knew at a certain point that maybe this wasn't the team to do it. And I feel like management has really been stepping up in the right direction the past few months, and it's good to see that the, the leaders like Henrik Lundqvist and Chris Kreider are on board with this going forward. It's nice to see that no one's, like, extremely upset. You don't see the – you don't read between the lines and see that when Kreider uh, – I'll pull it up here. When Kreider says, um, you know, that he's excited about everything that's the come, you don't read it. That's uh, a subtle dig at A.V., because I know a lot of people on Twitter were. I mean, sure. But at this point, like, I remember even a few games ago when they lost to the Devils, I think it was Chris Kreider also, someone asked him, what did you notice about the team? And he said they're well coached. A lot of people saw that as a dig too. But, you know, at this point, he's gone. I mean, if Chris Kreider or any other player had an issue with him, he's not there anymore. So I I guess that would only help their excitement for the team going forward that they wouldn't have to deal with. Elaine Vino anymore. Right. Yeah, but... Anyway, moving, moving on. on. Yeah, moving on now. The Ilya Kovalchuk rumors seem to never go away with this team. And uh, Russian Express reporter, which is what I believe the publication is called, Igor Iranko tweeted, what was it, I believe yesterday, that Ilya Kovalchuk is going to agree to a two- to three-year deal with the New York Rangers in July. But I warn everyone caution here because the Rangers technically aren't allowed to speak to Ilya Kovalchuk until April 15th when he is no longer Devil's property, and no deal can be agreed upon until the summer. So take it with a grain of salt, but, I mean, it's just fueling the fire that everyone has been saying all year that when Kovalchuk comes back, he wants to play for the New York Rangers. And I do think it's going to happen. Um, And uh, if the rumor is $6 a year, look, the Rangers have cap space. It's a little much. But it's not like they're they're starving for cap space right now. They have plenty. Um, 
I, I'm on the fence about Ilya Kovalchuk still. I've been on the fence about this all year. I mean, on one end, he still looks like he has a lot left in the tank. And yeah, he's older than Rick Nash, and we were all we all wanted Rick Nash gone, but Kovalchuk is still producing at a high rate in the KHL. The dude is still scoring 30 goals consistently, still has a really nice shot for, on the power play. I think he would be a good addition to this team, and the rumors of him being a cancer in the locker room, I mean, I just, I don't know if I agree with that when players like Marty Brodora saying he was one of his favorite teammates that he's ever played with. So, I mean, if it happens, I don't know if I'd be totally against it, but at the same time, if you're on a rebuilding team, do you want a 34-year-old guy for the next three years who could end up declining very soon to his deal? Um, it's very risk, but... At the same time, when you're going through a rebuilding team, you need veterans to help guide the way. And Kovalchuk can help guys like Butchnevich and eventually Igor Shashirkin when he decides to come over to uh, the States. So, I mean, it's very, it's a very tricky situation here. Zach, what do you think about Kovalchuk? So, my feeling on Kovalchuk is, is kind of also in between. On the one hand, you know, he's, he's still – one thing that never goes away with, with – an aging player is his shot. And Kovalchuk certainly still has that, um, as we saw during the Olympics. Um, and if you've watched any of the KHL highlights. Um, but the other the other thing, the other reason why I think it's valuable, and it's not just the, it's not just the, the fact that the Rangers have a few Russians in their system, it's that the Rangers don't have two the Rangers only have right now two right-handed shots in their forward group, which means that their second power play unit um, didn't have that option from the half wall. So the first unit had Zibanejad and uh, Buchnevich playing on the half wall. You had Kreider in front. You had uh, Zuccarello as the bumper. And you had um, down the stretch, it was Pionk on the point, but it'll be Shankirk. Uh, next season. The second unit was Kevin Hayes, Jimmy VZ, um, I believe Spooner, Nemesnikov, and Gilmore or Brady Shea, if I'm not mistaken. So that's, that takes away already one option for one timer on the, on the wall. And you also don't really have, you know, such size in front unless you're putting Hayes in front, but he tends to hang out at the point. Um, so one area for Kovalchuk, if the Rangers do in fact bring him over, uh, would be on the power play, um, which overall on the season was solid, but uh, I think struggled a little, a little bit down the stretch from not having um, that that second threat um, on the on the half wall for the one timer. The other thing about Kovalchuk, and some Devils fans are upset because. Uh, he because he left the team is that when you call him a team guy he left he left the team to go play in Russia um, you know these guys are human as much as as much as we all tend to think that they aren't sometimes with some of the things that they do on the ice but you can't really kill a guy for being homesick um, granted he left a lot of money on the table and that certainly uh, was not uh, beloved by our friends from New Jersey, but 
Um, the guys still continued playing high-level hockey. When Yarmir Yager left uh, the NHL to go back to Europe, um, no one really, you know, gave much of a thought to it. Uh, granted, different circumstance, but he came back and, you know, he still wants to play another year um, or however long he can still go. So it, it really depends on, on – for me, it depends on the contract. There were reports that it was going to be two or three years, $6 million a year. I'm not such a fan of that. Um, for that kind of money, you could have kept J.C. Miller um, and signed him to a a similar deal for longer term um, and kept your core group of youngsters. Um, but we'll see. I'm I'm very much indifferent on Kovalchuk. If they get him, great. He'll bring a lot to the team. If they don't, I understand, and it's a rebuild, and there's really – there's really no no right or wrong move here. If they do it, great. If they don't, okay, he's older. He's going to cost a lot of money. We can use the money elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, if they get him, cool. And we have a big threat on the power play, a possible guy to nurture the young kids. And maybe we get three thirty goal seasons out of him while he's here. That would be fantastic. Um, but we, but the, the cons, of course... He slows down, the contract looks too big, and the money could be spent elsewhere. So, you know, pros and cons, tweet at us. Let us know what you think. Should the Rangers really go after Ilya Kovalchuk? It's, you know, it's something that's going to be discussed all the way until he either signs with the team or ultimately picks another team in free agency. So this story is not going to go away, and we'll keep following on Forever Blue Shirt. So stick with us and report any new news that we, uh, that we uh, get about the Kovalchuk situation. One small bit of... Uh, um, news to report also before we get into the playoff predictions of our show. But in case some of you out there haven't heard, the Rangers have a new ECHL affiliate after the Grenville Swamp Rabbits have decided to end their uh, association with the New York Rangers. And the new ECHL team is the, I believe they are called the Ma- Mariners of Maine, right? Mariners Hockey. And they will be the, the main Mariners. The main Mariners, yes. They will be the Rangers' new ECHL affiliate, and uh, starting with next season. So, just a bit of minor league news uh, in the news this week. So, moving on. The playoffs. We actually, start. before we move on, Russ, oh, yeah, go on. we're gonna have either uh, today or tomorrow, depending on when we get to it, a a more in-depth profile of the Rangers' new ECHL. ECHL team from our minor league uh, correspondent, if you will, uh, Ricky. Um, mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for that as well. Yeah, and Ricky is awesome. I met him at a Wolfpack game a few weeks ago. Dude writes great stuff for us for the Wolfpack, so make sure to check it out because he knows what he's talking about with our minor league stuff. So tomorrow night, the NHL playoffs kick off. The Rangers will not be involved, but that doesn't mean this playoff tournament is going to be an absolute bore because there are some great storylines to follow in this playoff chase. As much as we all want the Rangers there, we missed them in the playoff tournament, but they will be back soon. Don't worry, everyone. So, in the West, the Nashville Predators look like an unstoppable animal as they enter this playoffs. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, a team who didn't make the playoffs a year ago, uh, looks, looks like they could go all the way also. 
The Vegas Golden Knights came out of nowhere this season to claim the first place in the Pacific Division. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning have been a force all season, with many fans of the Rangers even calling them the Tampa Bay Rangers, and I've seen people change their profile pictures on social media to a kind of uh, combined image of the Lightning and Rangers shield to support the old players that used to be on the team. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, Boston Bruins, great stories this year. Bruins weren't even expected to make the playoffs by many before the season, and they almost got first in the Atlantic Division. Um, the Capitals, can they make it past the second round? Will they break the curse? And, of course, Pittsburgh going for the three-peat in the last bracket in the East. So we'll go through this series by series in the first round, and we will ultimately give you our Stanley Cup final predictions here. So for me, I think Nashville and Colorado is a wash. I think that Nashville is going to absolutely go through them. I said five games. That series ends. Zach, what do you think for Nashville-Colorado? I mean, you know, you, you want to see Colorado do well in the playoffs, uh, especially after finishing last in the league last season. But, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's no way they get out of the first round. Yeah, um, the Predators are too I, hungry. <laughs> I, for, the Predators are too good. Um, the Avalanche, they have a solid – they have a couple of solid guys up front, but um, they, they don't have anywhere near the, the depth as a team to deal with. Uh, the Panthers' four lines of offense and and a, and a defense. I'm not the Panthers, the Predators. I'm sorry. Um, and the Predators' um, defense, who who consistently contributes offensively night in and night out. Yeah, it's it's too much. I think it'll be too much for the Avalanche to handle. Maybe they maybe they steal a game here, one game, maybe two. But the Predators, I think, will basically roll over them. With the Winnipeg Jets and the Minnesota Wild going at it, um, I think the series is going to go six, seven games. I'm not counting the Minnesota Wild out here, but I think this series is still ultimately the Winnipeg Jets series to lose. Um, The Winnipeg Jets have some of the best depth at every position in the league, led by Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, and uh, Rocket Richard Trophy runner-up Patrick Lyonet. I think they have all the tools to beat the Minnesota Wild, but... The Wilder Pesky team, we'll see if they can get through them, but ultimately I think the Jets will win that series in six games. I I would tend to agree. The only thing about the Wild is that they do have uh, a lot of playoff experience where uh, the Winnipeg Jets might not have nearly as much. Um, and uh, Mike Yo is going to get his guys ready for the – Mike Yo's not the head coach of the Wild anymore, is it? No, it's Bruce Boudreau now. <laughs> no. All right, yeah. well, Bruce Boudreau is going to get his guys uh, ready to go. Another guy with with Stanley Cup pedigree as well. So it's certainly going to be a good series. I could see it going seven, but I do think Winnipeg uh, pulls it out. Yeah, I think so too. And lots of times you have to look at playoff experience, but Winnipeg, they're a very young team, but, man, they looked really good this year. So it surprised me if, if Minnesota could pull it off. Um, in the next back, we have the Vegas Golden Knights going against the Los Angeles Kings. Oh, man, this is a tough one because I said it's going – I think it's going seven games. And I, I honestly – I think Vegas is going to get a wake-up call here because they've been playing really well in the regular season. But, man, the playoff hockey is a totally different animal. I said Vegas in my bracket, but this one is the biggest toss-up for me because – L.A. knows how to win. They have the core that's won two Stanley Cups. They've had the core that's had 
an absolutely ridiculous run to multiple finals. But Vegas has just been everything they touch this year. Excuse the pun, turns to gold. Uh, they call guys up, they start scoring. They they send guys down, they bring other guys up, scoring. Dudes like William Carlson, Riley Smith, James Neal, everyone having career years. Jonathan March is so, you know, it's everything that the team has done this year just seems to work out. So, I mean, it's going to be a toss-up. But I said Vegas, but it could easily be Los Angeles in that winning that series. It's it's a, that's a hard one to call out for me. It's it, it's a difficult one to call out, but I, I do think the experience matters here. Uh, Gerard Gallant's done a real good job this year with the Golden Knights, but uh, I think their their magical run ends uh, in a in a late first round series. Um, I think it goes six or seven as well, but I, I think the Kings are just going to grind them into oblivion. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a really if, good way to put it. <laughs> if 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 the Kings get their four check going, um, they have they certainly have enough goal scoring um, on their team to put games away. Jeff Carter, um, Dustin Brown will go to the dirty areas. Get, uh, not Gabrick, he's in Ottawa. Um, Andre Kopitar, um, they they have enough guys to to punish you for your mistakes as you know, the Rangers found out a few years ago, um, Jonathan quick will be Jonathan quick. Um, and, it, and it, it, it'll really come down to, um, which team can, can get each game going in their direction first. Cause I think if Vegas can get, um, their style of game going in the first, uh, few minutes of, of, of game one and, and kind of, take it to the Kings, I think it'll go over well for them, but I, I don't think they'll be able to to sustain it um, against the veteran, uh, very well-seasoned uh, Kings. Yeah. it's. I wouldn't be surprised if L.A. just takes it to Vegas, but we will see. Uh, Anaheim and San Jose, uh, this one, I think it's very evenly matched, but I think the San Jose Sharks are going to come out on top here. Uh, I've liked the San Jose Sharks all year, and then when they added Evander Kane, he added a really nice dynamic element to that team. Um, I'm not sure if Joe Thornton is back for the playoffs. I haven't checked the recently if he is, but I do think the San Jose Sharks can defeat Anaheim, especially with Ryan Kelser not at 100%. Uh, they dealt with injuries all year. Granted, they're, they're more healthy than they've been all year, but I think the firepower of the Sharks will overcome the defense of the Anaheim Ducks. I And I think Evander Kane will actually have a very nice playoff run here. I've been a very nice supporter of Evander Kane, a big supporter of him ever since he's tried turning it around, getting be more mature in this league. And I, just, I think the Sharks, with Pavelski, Couture, Kane, uh, clutch guys like Don's going in the playoffs, I think they're going to, I think they'll take it to the Anaheim Ducks, but I think it's going to end it. I think that's another one that's going to go six, seven games, though. Oh, I, I, I definitely do as well. These are two teams um, that that certainly know each other, being just, uh, you know, separated by a few miles in California. But uh, I, I, I would take the Sharks as well. I think that they – look, both teams play a, a speed game, at least in my estimation. Um, they're both teams that will push the pace. Uh, San Jose is a little bit more free-flowing than the Ducks, 
um, from what I've seen this season. But uh, it'll it'll be a good series for sure. John Gibson was back with the, with the Ducks for the playoff for their first practice yesterday. Um, so he'll have a chip on his shoulder to kind of you know get get back in the groove. So we'll see what happens. I, I do see San Jose pulling it out, but it, it'll only be by uh, it'll only be in a in a game six or game seven. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's it's not gonna be um <laughs> it's not gonna be any short series. It's not gonna be four or five. It's really gonna it's gonna be a war. That's gonna that's gonna be another first round series. It's gonna be a war because those two teams do not like each other at all either. Um, the California teams, the LA, Anaheim, and San Jose, those three teams do not like each other. So we're gonna see a war in the first round between those two. Uh, moving on to the Eastern Conference. We have the Tampa Bay Lightning going against the New Jersey Devils. Now, I don't think this is going to be as much of a freight train running over uh, something as a lot of people think. Now, I know a lot of a lot of Range friends out here don't want to hear this, but the New Jersey Devils look like they're a really good team. And look, the Tampa Bay Lightning—they—they've shown some, you know, that there's some weaknesses over the past few weeks. They haven't looked as dominant as they looked in the beginning of the season. Can they bring it all together like they did earlier in the year? I mean, we'll see. But I ultimately do have the Tampa Lightning winning out. But I don't think the New Jersey Devils are going to go quietly. And I have this going in six games to the Tampa Lightning. But I would not be surprised at all if the Devils somehow push it to game seven to, and Tampa wins it in seven. But it, it's, you know, it's, it, this series is going to be much closer than I feel like a lot of people think just based on what we've seen from Taylor Hall just single-handedly taking over games and, Look, it's of course they're going to key in on Taylor Hall and guys like him and Heischer, but I really don't think this is going to go as quickly as a lot of people think. I think this easily could go six or seven with the Lightning ultimately coming out on top, but don't be surprised if Jersey pushes them. I think it goes five or six, but I agree with you that the Devils are a lot better than you know we all thought. Obviously, they started off the season extremely well which nobody thought would happen. Um, not just Ranger fans, but no one around the league really thought that the Devils would be as good as they were for the first three, four months of the season. Um, the other thing I'll say is that, um, you know, Keith Kincaid is reportedly starting uh, in game one tomorrow night or Thursday night, whenever they start. Um, it'll be his first playoff experience as a starter. So, you know, he's been solid for the Devils over the final few weeks of the season with Corey Schneider recovering from injury, but um, we'll have to see how Kincaid performs against, you know, a, a an offensively dynamic team that only got better with, you know, J.T. Miller coming on and uh, and all the other former Rangers that are, that are down there in uh, northern Florida. Yeah. It's going to be – I think that series is going to be a lot more fun to watch than people think. I'm pretty excited for it. Um, so, we'll see. I do think the Tempe Lightning will ultimately come out on top. Um, moving on to the next series is Boston and Toronto. This, in my mind, Zach, there is no way that this series is going below seven games. These two teams hate each other. Okay, Boston, Toronto a few years ago, people remember the 2013 Eastern Conference – I believe it was the quarterfinals. 
Oh, man. Toronto was winning, I, what was it, 3-1, 4-1 in the third period, and the Bruins came back, and it's remembered as one of the biggest collapses in the Maple Leafs history. Toronto is going to want revenge. They have guys like Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, Patrick Marlowe. Uh, you know, maybe their defense isn't the greatest, but they still have guys like Morgan Riley, Jake Gardner, and Nikita uh, Nikita Zaitsev and Ron Hainsey. You flip to the Bruins side of things, all year, even before the season, people didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Shock everyone, almost win the Atlantic Division. You got guys like David Poshnok, Patrice Bergeron, Jake DeBrusque, Danton Heinen, our old friend Rick Nash, David Krejci, a defense led by Zdeno Char and Charlie McAvoy. This is, this is another series like Anaheim and San Jose. You want to see a war? You watch this series. This series is going to be awesome to watch with the grinding, bigger style of the Boston Bruins going against the quick, fast young guns of the Toronto Maple Leafs. This, another one could go either way, but I'm giving it to the Toronto Maple Leafs in seven games. Yeah, yeah this, this this is going to be the, you know, in terms of in terms of first round matchups you want to see, this this is this is the one. Uh, we're talking about two teams with a lot of skill. Um, certainly Toronto with Austin Matthews and Marner and Nylander and JVR and you know whoever else I'm forgetting. Um, and then the, a Bruins team that has been together for, you know for the most part for the last six seven eight years who know how to win, um, who've been there, done that, a bunch of, of cup winners from that 2011 team. Uh, Chara, I believe Patrice Bergeron was on the team, uh, possibly a young David Krejci, if, if, if my memory serves me right. Um, that th- This is going to be the matchup of the first round. Uh, I it, If it goes less than seven games, um, I would be beyond shocked, but uh, but I, I do think Toronto pulls it out. Yeah, I mean this clear as day is I think is going to go to seven games. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be a war to watch, and it's going to be so awesome to see. Um, that is definitely going to be a first round matchup to definitely take in. The next series, this one is very intriguing to me because I honestly I just don't know here is the Washington Capitals and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, Washington must be thanking their stars they don't have to play Pittsburgh in the first round. But Columbus is a sneaky good team. They got very nice pieces. Artemi Panarin had a career year. Guys like Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski on the back end. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois turned into a number one center for that team. They got a lot of nice pieces. But, man, you got to believe Washington for once is not like this cup favorite. They don't have all this pressure on their shoulders. Will that be the thing that can get Washington to finally maybe move on? Um, The fact that they don't have the pressure on them this year, the fact that they seem to have this kind of really good attitude around them, and Ovechkin still almost had 50 goals again this year due to this animal. This was a really tough one for me to decide because both teams can, I think both teams could do this one, Uh, but ultimately... I think the Blue Jackets are going to be a victim of matchup again like they were last year when they played the Penguins. And I think that Ovechkin and the Capitals will come out on top here. And I know we have a lot of these series going the distance, but I think this one might five or six maybe would be over and to the Washington Capitals. Yeah, 
I, I, I see this going seven. Um, I don't really think it. Um, I don't think it's really much of a question here. The the only other thing I'll say is, you know, Torts and Barry Trotz will be fun to watch. You know, two two oh, intense yeah. guys, two intense guys, two guys with winning pedigrees. Um, so that'll that'll certainly be fun. But you know, like you said, Washington doesn't have the pressure this year um, of being you know that team that was expected to make a deep playoff run, especially after they lost um, uh, Marcus Johansson to the Devils, and Justin Williams went back to Carolina and and, and a few other moves. Um, but also, Philip Grubauer is going to be in goal for them uh, when that series starts, which he told the media today. So a, another storyline where the quote-unquote star goalie um, is taking a backseat to the hot goalie, um, and, and we'll see we'll see how that works out, how long it lasts. Grubauer also is getting his first taste of of starting as a as a goalie in the playoffs. So uh, it'll be fun. I, 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 I can't pick. I can't pick the Capitals. I just can't do it. So <laughs> I think Columbus pulled it out. I think Columbus pulled it out in seven. Split on. <laughs> what was? What was that? The first. The first series that were split on. You know what? I, I think I think Columbus will do just enough uh, to get to get through the series. I also think that having Sergei Bobrovsky as the anchor, um, meaning barring injury, he's not going anywhere, um, certainly helps. And, and I like Columbus's depth um, just a drop more. I think I think Washington relies a little too much on their power play, which is certainly fantastic. But uh, unless Columbus gets undisciplined, which Torts will not allow to happen. Um, I I I I see Columbus eking it out in seven. I like the pick. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Columbus could do it, and that would be pretty cool. And our final first round matchup: the war for Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers. Man, like just like San Jose and Anaheim and Boston and Toronto before, this series will probably be the most physical and angry first round series out of all of them. These two teams, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, I don't know if there's any two teams in the league that dislike each other more. Maybe Rangers-Islanders, but, man, the Philadelphia-Pittsburgh rivalry is, is so crazy. When you watch games between them, even regular season, it is so awesome to watch the intensity that these two teams play each other. This is going seven. I don't care how good people think the Pittsburgh Penguins are. The Philadelphia Flyers are not going down without a fight. Um there's no way that Philly's going to let Pittsburgh run all over them. Um, Philly's big question, though, for this series is the net. Brian Elliott or um, Peter Morazic, whoever they need, whoever's in that net needs to make key saves at the key times. Philly's defense has stepped up a lot since the beginning of the year. They know how to score the puck. Um, on the Pittsburgh side, look, they're going for the three-peat. They're the defending champs two years running. They have Serendip, that's Crosby, Malkin, Broussard, and they have wings that include Phil Kessel and, you know, guys like Brian Russ, Connor Sheary, Patrick Hornquist, Jake Gensel. Look, this is a war. This one is going to be so awesome to watch in the first round. But I'm going to give it, and I hate to say this, 
but I'm going to give it to the defending champs in seven games. I think Pittsburgh just knows how to win. Yeah, I th- this will also be a bloodbath. Um yeah. <laughs> both literally and figuratively. Um but yeah, the I the the questions for the Flyers are too great um for them to overcome. You know, goaltending obviously has been their question mark since the uh since probably since Ron Hextall was their goalie um back in the eighties. So, um, Mrazek, I saw him, I saw the Flyers and Islanders last week uh, at Barclays. He was a little shaky, um, especially early on in the game. Um, Brian Elliott's a solid goaltender, um, but I don't know if he'll be able to cover up if the, if the, uh, if the Flyers are making mistakes in front of him. Um, and all, and like you said, also the Penguins just have so much scoring and guys who, much like Wayne Simmons, are not afraid to go to the net. Uh, Patrick Hornquist has made a living off of it, torturing not only you know the the range, not only the rest of the league, but you know we certainly know about done to the Rangers, Malkin, Crosby, Latang, uh, Connor Sherry, Jake Gensel. Phil Kessel, Broussard, Haglin, the, the list just goes on and on of of scoring threats against a team that has had a really solid year in terms of the Flyers. But I think I think their uh, their run ends in the Steel City. Uh, definitely a six or seven gamer, but edge goes to the Penguins. Yeah. So those are our picks for the first round. Um, now. We can't really give true second-round prediction because, honestly, we're not really sure what can happen. But uh, just to bullet them kind of quick, if they follow what me and Zach think, I think Nashville over Winnipeg in round two. Uh, that, that I think, that series is going to determine the Stanley Cup champion, in my opinion. Um, I have the Vegas Golden Knights falling to the San Jose Sharks in round two um, with a conference final set up between the Nashville Predators and the San Jose Sharks, with San Jose ultimately making the cup final. I have the Lightning over the Maple Leafs in round two. The Capitals over the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think. Call me crazy, but I think this lack of pressure with the Capitals might carry them to the Eastern Conference final. And then ultimately, I do have the Tampa Bay Lightning shutting down the Washington Capitals in the Eastern Conference final to set up a Stanley Cup final of the Nashville Predators versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Sun Belt battle. Um, And I think that it will be a six-game series and that the Nashville Predators will smack down the Tampa Bay Lightning and redeem themselves after last year's Stanley Cup final, and you will see Roman Yossi hosting the cup above his head and passing that cup right to Mike Fisher once the Stanley Cup final ends with the Consmite Trophy going to Mr. Pecorine, who will have a sub 2.0 GAA and will probably have a few shutouts along the way, uh, with the runner-up being in my opinion, P.K. Subban, who is going to have a great playoff run here. The Nashville Predators are my pick for the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Um, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a lot of bold predictions right there. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go straight to the Cup because, uh, honestly, uh, I, I kind of have in mind who I think is going to make it regardless of, of the playoff matchups. I, I think it'll end up being – 
uh, Nashville and Tampa as well. Um, but I, I kind of like Tampa. Um, not not just because there are five former Rangers on the team that, you know, will be looking for their first cups, but uh, I, I think that they're, they're both so evenly matched. On paper, both teams have have a lot of have depth on defense. Both teams have depth up front. Both teams have uh, Vezina candidate goaltenders. It's if if that is the Stanley Cup final matchup, it's going to go seven, and it's going to be uh, whichever team. It's going to sound stupid, but whichever team scores the last goal, um, because if that if that is the the final series. Uh, it's going to be a great one to watch for for all the hockey fans um, around the world. The the only thing I will say is, I mean, I, I did predict that Columbus will win the first round over Washington, but if Washington does get to the second round, um, I, who would they play? Because I'm, I'm kind of oh, – they, they would, would play, play the winner of Pittsburgh and Philly, yeah. Yeah, so I think if it's Pittsburgh, they're going to lose. If it's Philly, they have more of a chance. But but I think that um, that the the Capitals' window is is not rapidly closing, but the door is starting to to, to shut um, ever so slowly, um, and that they only really have maybe two or three years left before. They have to start, you know, considering um, starting all over again because Ovechkin's getting up there in age, um, Backstrom's getting up there in age. Um, they have a bunch, a few good young guys, and in, in in Kuznetsov and uh, Burakovsky. But aside from really their top six, I don't see a lot of a lot of solid offensive depth uh, in terms of scoring. So. My, my pick will be Tampa over Nashville in seven. Um, if, if we're really doing uh, Conn Smythe, it, it, it would be Vasilevsky for me. Um, I get the the runner-up would be Pecorine um, because regardless of whichever team wins, the goaltending in that series is going to be fantastic. Oh so yeah. My oh, prediction. Yeah. My prediction: Tampa over Nashville. Yours was Nashville over Tampa. Tampa. Yep. Maybe a uh, maybe a, a beer bet. I'm down. I'm super down for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so so, uh, so yeah. Awesome. So look, we want to know what you guys think too. Tweet at us. Who is going to hoist, hoist the Stanley Cup in June? Which team gets the Stanley Cup final? Do you think it's Nashville? Do you think it's Tampa? Do you think it's someone? Completely different. Do you think Washington finally gets the monkey off their back? Maybe Vegas shocks the entire hockey world and wins the Stanley Cup. Maybe Winnipeg finally gets to the plateau. We will see. It is going to be a wild playoff run. Or, wow, I can't I almost forgot. Maybe Pittsburgh does the unthinkable and really gets the three-peat to be the first team to win three straight cups since the New York Islanders in 1980-83. It is going to be a wild playoff run, people. Maybe even the Boston Bruins. You can't even count them out because if they grind it out against the Leafs, they seem to have Tampa's number two. It's it's this playoff. These playoffs have a lot of potential to be a really really fun two months here. Um, 
I ultimately do think though, like we are, we are. I think the setup for Nashville to get their redemption after last year is there. Uh, but we will see as the Stanley Cup playoffs progress. Uh, any upsets too? Uh, I, I guess I'd like to. I guess one, the only big, big upset I could see if you could even call it that. It's even in round one for me. I really. It's crazy to say, but I could see the Philadelphia Flyers giving the Penguins a lot of problems. That might be my one big upset, if possible, in the first round, is the Flyers possibly taking that series. So, yeah, uh, in terms in terms of upsets, I think I kind of already gave mine with the, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the Columbus. Although Columbus. I don't. I don't really see it as an upset. I, I, I mean, by seed, it's an upset, but I think they're, they're both, you know, uh, evenly matched as uh, as two playoff opponents are going to come. And with that, thank you for joining us today on the Tilted Ice podcast. We will have more for you on the Rangers coaching search in the coming weeks. We will have more on the NHL playoffs as they – kick off tomorrow and as they continue on and leading up to the NHL draft, we will have, if any, any trades are mentioned before the draft, if any, if our draft position changes, and of course, please everyone pay attention to the draft lottery, which is happening in just a few weeks here, because if the ping pong balls, if the ping pong balls fall the right way, we could be looking at a top three pick. And I've just been reminded, I forgot something to mention on this podcast. Let's wrap up this season real quick. Um, I'll give my thoughts. I do think that this season was a needed wake-up call for the New York Rangers organization. When you look around the league, I've said it once, I'll say it again. The top teams in the league, even if you look at the Stanley Cup playoffs right now, every single person, I can name at least one franchise player on every single one of these teams except for the Vegas Golden Knights. The Rangers' problem for years has been that their franchise player is in net and cannot score goals for them. Nashville has the best defense that in this league. Colorado has a Hart Trophy candidate, Nathan McKinnon. The Winnipeg Jets have a 19-year-old who is, who is sniffing 40, 50 goals already in Patrick Laine. The Minnesota Wilds have guys like Michael Granlin, have guys like Eric Stahl, have guys Basically, they work together as a, maybe they don't have a super superstar like the Vegas Golden Knights, but they have, all their parts work. Their their holes is greater than the sum of their parts. Vegas just shooting it out of the park with everything they have this year. L.A. has a Hart Trophy candidate in Andre Kopitar. The Anaheim Ducks have had Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry since 2003. The San Jose Sharks, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, Evander Kane, guys with really nice offensive ceilings. Tampa Bay, Steven Stamkos, Nita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, take your pick. New Jersey Devils, Taylor Hall, and Nico Hischer, who will turn into an amazing player. Boston Bruins with Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, dudes that know how to put the puck in the net. Toronto, Austin Matthews, boom. Their focal point is an American center who's going to start scratching 90 points once he's fully healthy and grows into himself. Washington Capitals, it's been Alex Ovechkin's showdown. This is 2004. Columbus might have finally found someone in Pierre-Luc Dubois, and they have a budding superstar or a guy that's reaching his peak in Artemi Panarin. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Crosby, Malkin, boom. That's all you need to know. The Philadelphia Flyers, in just a few short years, will have the best defense in the league, but matching the Nashville Predators with guys like Sam, with 
uh, Travis Sanheim and Samuel Morin and Robert Haig leading them in, into the future. That was a lot quick, I know, but the fact of the matter is the Rangers needed a franchise player. This year was a wake-up call for them. They do not have someone like that and that they needed to get younger. They needed to get faster. And with the pieces they picked up with the deadline, guys like Libor Hayek, Brett Howden, um, <clears throat> uh, R- uh, Ryan Lindgren, dudes that are going to fight for their spot on this roster going forward into the future. And with the three first-round picks they got, that they can wheel and deal. They can use all three. Look, they have the opportunity here to make this a very, not a super long rebuild, but one that's in just a few seasons could bear fruit for us. And the Rangers could be looked at in the same vein as the Stanley Cup contenders like Nashville and Tampa. I wrote an article recently on the site saying the Rangers could follow Nashville's plan to getting back to the Stanley Cup final. I think it would be a good idea for them based on where they pick. But that could totally change depending on if the Rangers win this draft lottery, which we do have a 6% chance of winning right now with Edmonton passing us on the last day of this season. Um, Final thought, it was a wake-up call. The Rangers needed this Um, going forward. I think Henrik Lundqvist will get one final shot at the Stanley Cup in his career in maybe two to three seasons when he's in his 39, 40 years old season. I think the Rangers will give him one Final crack with this nice young rebuilt roster built around guys like Filipino, Leah Sanderson, Mika Zabanajad, and whichever big strong franchise player they hopefully can get out of this draft. It will be a wild ride for the next two years. We are entering the unknown territory with the Rangers. For those who have been fans since basically the last decade, we haven't experienced anything like this. So strap in, get ready. It's time for a younger, sleeker, faster, more talented New York Rangers roster than you have ever seen. Um. Uh, so let me start with this. The the Rangers needed this season. Um, obviously not in terms of record, but in terms of in terms of kind of giving the organization um, the chance to really hit the reset button. Um, they they needed a season where um, where you know. It's gonna sound ridiculous, but where Henrik Lundqvist um, wasn't able to cover up for his team's mistakes, uh, a season where where th- certain things just stood out so immensely that that there was no other choice but to take action. Um, and you know, I'm gonna just take a quick tangent here. Elaine Vigneault was a good coach in the NHL. He was a good coach with the Rangers for for the first two years, but uh, three straight years of of declining, uh, of not meeting quote unquote expectations. Um, even last year, where the team might not have been thought of to get out of the first round, but they did and then lost to a team that they should have beaten um, in Ottawa. Um, it was certainly time to make a change um, from 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 the from the face of the team um, and and down. So, you know, the Rangers have a lot of exciting uh, things coming uh, in terms of prospects. Um, they're going to be looking to rebuild their identity. Uh, their identity under torts was grinding, blocking shots, doing doing the dirty things to uh, to to that don't always show up in the box score. 
with Vignoli with speed and and skill and trying to create uh chances that might not necessarily be there and and it'll it'll really start whenever this this new coach is hired um where he can set his identity on a group of guys who are going to be not only eager to learn um in terms of the excuse me in terms of the rookie prospects and in terms of the youth that the Rangers have, but also in terms of um, guys who are going to have a chip on their shoulder after a disappointing season, after a season with a lot of trades, a season with a lot of change, a season with um, with guys who underperformed according to management, um, who are going to, if they're still on the team, Next season, we'll be looking to prove management wrong. So there's a lot of positives to take out of this season, even though the season ended uh, a lot earlier than any of of them or the or the fans wanted. Uh, one final thought for me is that um, is that you know I, I didn't tweet this out, but I I want to thank the team. Um, on the blog for all the work, Russ, uh, really taking care of the podcast, making it it his, um, making sure to do it um, on a somewhat normal schedule. JL, Noah, uh, Dan and Dan, um, Sadie, uh, Jonathan, who am I missing? Cappy, um, who am I missing here? Christina, Kevin. Ricky, uh, Farrell, Steve, um, Justin, almost forgot Justin, um, and Anthony as well when he pitched in over the, uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the deadline. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for your contributions. Um, make sure you keep checking us out, Ranger fans, uh, for all your, all your Blue Shirts content. We're always looking for more writers, especially during the off season with their might not be as much game action, but there's certainly a lot going on uh, to keep to keep Rangers fans uh, busy and occupied with with uh, stuff surrounding the team. Um, if anyone wants to join the team, um, con- contact me on Twitter at uh, Zach4B. You can certainly contact Russ and at uh, Russell Hartman One. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we will continue the podcast um, on on a, a little bit of a longer schedule, but I believe the plan is to continue the podcast over the course of the summer. Um, we will. That we will. And, 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 and like I said, there's a lot to be excited about. This season kind of sucks, but uh, the Rangers are ready. certainly going to be looking. Yeah. Rangers certainly going to be looking to – Prove all the haters wrong with a young, a young and hungry team come October 2018. Oh yeah, and let's get something. Let's let's get something right here. Henrik Lundqvist will not want to go through this type of season again. And if the ping pong balls fall the right way, and the Rangers somehow grab that first overall pick out of the jaws of whatever and Rasmus Dahlin comes to Broadway next year, you're looking at a potential game changer. 
I want everyone to realize this. If the Rangers somehow win the draft lottery, it's, it's, it's no, there's no guarantees. Not saying it's 100%, but if the Rangers win that draft lottery and we get a type of player like Rasmus Dahlin, or say we even get second or third and we get a player like Philip Zadino or Andrei Svechnikov, this rebuild sp- speeds up double time because you get a franchise player moving forward. Rasmus Dahlin, second coming of Eric Carlson, could probably be even better, according to some scouts. Andrei Svechnikov, according to draft analysts, dude could be a 50-goal scorer. Philip Zadina, same kind of thing. So next big event, Ranger fans, keep your eyes on the draft lottery. Like Zach said, I want to give a big thanks to all the writers this year. Uh, you guys were all awesome. We appreciate all the content that everyone's put out this year. Um, and we have a really solid team moving forward into the offseason and into next season. You will hear from us again on the podcast at the conclusion of the Stanley Cup final, moving into the offseason and into the NHL draft. So look for us to be back after the Stanley Cup final ends and probably a few days before the entry draft in Dallas. And look for us again after the draft when we welcome back, hopefully, the draft analyst, Steve Cornianos. I've extended an invitation to him to come back where he will discuss the picks that the Rangers had at the draft and give them a draft grade for us. So thank you for joining us all season. It's been a great year hosting this podcast. This is the first podcast I've had this experience with. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for the kind words from many of you this year. Um, We will continue to do this throughout the summer and into next season. Uh, have Have a good week, everyone. Enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs. Continue following us on foreverblueshirts.com and at the Tilted Ice. And we will see you at the conclusion of the Stanley Cup final. Have a nice few weeks, everyone. Enjoy some playoff hockey. Thanks for listening. You can listen to this episode and more on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. You can also listen to us on Blog Talk Radio as well as SoundCloud. Visit us on foreverblueshirts.com. You can also read us on Yardbarker as well as Apple News. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets.